Welcome to Stylus Soul Tribe Conversations. I'm your host, Lisa Huff. Over the last five years, I've coached hundreds of hairstylists and beauty industry professionals, helping them work their dream schedules exclusively with their dream clientele and earn their dream income, all while fostering genuine connections and lifelong friendships inside the beauty industry. In this podcast, we dive deep into abundance, manifestation, business building strategies, and creating a life that you are truly proud of, both behind the chair and at home. Are you ready to embark on a journey of personal growth, success, and sisterhood? Then hit that subscribe button now and get ready to experience the pure magic of Silas Soul Tribe Conversations. Hi, Jamie. Welcome to Silas Soul Tribe Conversations. I'm so happy you're here today. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to everybody listening? Hi. Hi, Lisa. Thank you for having me. I'm Jamie Rogers in Stylus Soul Tribe from the beginning, kind of. Forever, it feels <laughs> like, huh? Thank you for having me. Yeah. Obviously, I know your whole story. I want to preface, I, I told Jamie this before we started recording, but for everybody listening, this episode specifically, I can almost guarantee you is going to have nothing to do with business. While Jamie is very smart and intelligent around business, her story personally is so much more inspiring, valuable, unbelievable that it would be a wasted episode to talk anything about business. So just buckle up. I'm just warning you. If you were looking for something to inspire you to like make more money or upgrade your business, like this uh-huh. is the episode. Yeah. If you're dying Literally, for like in this moment, I couldn't be less like into being a go-getter if I tried. <laughs> yeah. And I, I want to hear that whole entire journey. So obviously, Jamie, I know you so well. Jamie has been in and out of Soul Tribe since day one. She is one of the OGs. She left Soul Tribe for a little bit and then came back. But I don't know. I mean, I guess I know everyone in the OGs really well, but maybe it's just because your story is so special and so unique. I feel like I know you on a different level, like maybe because you allow me to go there, maybe because we've just had those really deep dive conversations. So I pretend like you're not necessarily talking to me because obviously I know your story. Talking to everyone else, tell them a little bit about who you are and start to tell your story and then we'll go from there. Okay. Well, you definitely know me on a deeper level because when I started Stylist Soul Tribe, the first go around, one of the first things that came up for me to do, or I was doing, you know, because you introduced it to me, mm-hmm. was Miracle Morning. Mm-hmm. And I was in a really, really bad space um, mentally and emotionally. Yeah. And I've been in bad spaces before. Uh, but this was this was different. This was just super deep. This involved um, my super close family, my mom and my mm-hmm. sister, and it, having to work through things in our relationship. Yeah, tricky and I season would of life yes, for sure. Yes, and it was just on. I was on fire with it, mm-hmm. and that's when I joined Soul Tribe and you had mentioned about Miracle Morning. And I was definitely not in the place to focus on work. I needed to focus on myself first. And I did. Mm-hmm. And I started a practice of that every morning. And what I think gave me the ability to be open to that, so now we'll rewind, Yeah, is... 20 when I was 22 years old I got clean and sober cocaine was my drug of choice I weighed about 90 pounds when I went into rehab um I had a TIA which is a mini stroke Mm. when I was three days clean and my mom moved to Florida in the time I was in rehab and when I got out I needed to find somewhere to live And I did. I lived with strangers off of Craigslist. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, The first one was a guy and he was super nice. Jehovah Witness. Thank God. Maybe that was good. Yeah. (laughs) And then um, I had a roommate, Jen, after that, who's still one of my dearest friends, but she was a stranger. Mm -hmm. Um, I had no idea how to work and deal with the city. I was working in Manhattan at the time. Mm. Well, this is a few months in. I got a job in Manhattan working in property management, doing the phones. And then I worked at night 
doing Kochek and I'd get a jar of sauce and a box of pasta. And that's what I had for the week. Hmm. And let's see, I had to ask Kevin, my husband now, who was Mm -hmm. my boyfriend then, how I knew which train to take, (laughs) how I knew if I had to go on the uptown train or the downtown train. Mm -hmm. And he goes, well, (laughs) if the number is higher than where you are, you want to go uptown. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm like, it's really that simple. I had no idea. Yeah. Yes, it was really that simple. Okay, Um, pause. Because obviously this is your story. So you know the whole big picture. And I'm trying to somebody listening. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going (laughs) to keep interrupting you. So she said she was 22 when she got clean and sober. And you just hit the 22 year anniversary of that. So just to give some context to this timeline, somebody's like, are you 25 right now? Are you 70? Like what, you know, so to give some context, 22 years ago, you've lived a lot of life. Can you go back even a little bit more? Maybe if you're comfortable with it, we also were, I'm just going to be transparent with everybody listening to this. I think it's important for people to think about this when they're listening to podcast episodes. It takes a lot to share like a deep dive into your story like Jamie is doing. I know because I've shared some deep dives into my own story and I'm really mindful of like my digital footprint. I'm really mindful of when I tell stories about my life and especially if it has to do with other people like that podcast is going to live on the internet forever. You know, sure, I could delete it, but like, I'm just very thoughtful of that. And so I want Jamie to be thoughtful of that as well. Would you mind going back a little bit into like active addiction, maybe when you met Kevin, how that all came about, just so we can get a little bit of an even more clear picture? Absolutely. So my addiction came from, it's actually quite a few different things. I wasn't a big drinker. I wasn't drunk when I was 12. I, you know, in my mom's liquor cabinet, like I don't, that's not my story. So taking it to a few places, because I think all of them are actually pretty important. Yeah, There's a history of sexual assault in my family, not mm-hmm. by a family member, but within my family. Mm-hmm. And there's a history of abandonment in mm-hmm. my family me especially with my stepfather and that goes on to another story and then there's also on a different level so that's like the emotional part right Mm -hmm. when I was super young my mom would drop me off in kindergarten and I would cut kindergarten okay I would walk home (laughs) and make eggs (laughs) And and nobody was home nobody was home you were five years old she'd drop you off in sneaky ditch school Yes, I didn't want to be at school. And I would watch soap operas and make eggs. And it got to the point where the school nurse and the police Mm -hmm. would show up at my house to get me. Mm -hmm. So that's how my mom became an entrepreneur who anything she decides to do work-wise turns to gold. Mm -hmm. But anyway, that's how she started working at home. So I've had major ADD from when I was little. Cutting school in kindergarten. School just wasn't for you. You've known from as long as you can remember back. It was not for me. So Mm -hmm. when I was young, I love the social aspect of Mm -hmm. it, not the learning so much. So when I was young, I don't remember what grade I was in, but definitely elementary school, Mm -hmm. I was diagnosed with ADD Mm -hmm. and I was put on Ritalin. Mm -hmm. And I remember the feeling of it working, like it Mm -hmm. feeling like focus and I just remember the feeling of it like, and oh, then well, something must have actually been wrong if this medicine yes, makes me feel normal yes. yeah or whatever you didn't even know what normal was back then yeah yes wow. and then things happened within my family my family imploded and that fell to the wayside mm. and then I we started moving all the time and mm. I was a new kid I I changed schools one school I kept coming back to so it's not actually eight schools but I changed schools eight times from eighth grade to 10th grade wow and and now I'm not on meds or anything like that I started smoking cigarettes super young I was Mm -hmm. never into alcohol do you feel like back then like nicotine was almost like a focus in the same way because it's a stimulant yes and that Mm -hmm. was my last drug that I gave up I smoked Mm -hmm. for like 25 years Mm -hmm. and to fast forward to that when Mm -hmm. now I'm clean and whatever and I'm smoking cigarettes I have my kids 
and I didn't want to be a smoking mom. And I, I quit smoking and I ended up in the psychiatrist's office, like in a breakdown, like mm-hmm. this is not just normal quitting. Something is wrong. Mm. And I told him about the ADD briefly and he was like, well, let's look into that more. Mm-hmm. And okay. So we did all these tests. Now I'm a recovered cokehead. So yeah. <laughs> the medication for ADD is scares me because stimulants. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. However, it's what was needed. And mm-hmm. he said that was why I was so drawn to it. Mm-hmm. Because initially it's like, oh, this feels it like kind of fixes us, that normal imbalance. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then of course, you know, I took it to an extreme and whatever. Yeah. But so there's the emotional part of like just not knowing what to do with myself. And then there was a big huge part of like the psychological with the medicines. Had I been medicated, who knows if yeah. where that would have went, you know? Yeah. I mean, that would change my whole story and I wouldn't want to change anything in my story. Totally. But I know a lot of parents just from being in the salon, you know, will talk about this with their kids and not wanting to medicate them Mm -hmm. and whatever. And I'll give them a heads up, just letting you know if they get their hands on, you know, if they truly have a problem and they get their hands on stimulants, be prepared for Mm -hmm. them to be addicted to them. Wow. <laughs> so now yeah. I'm off track. So that that's mm-hmm. where the addiction came from. I could have gone off track with you. I just stopped myself. I could have gone even do- deeper down that, but I don't think that that would be necessary. Okay. Tell us maybe your, you meeting Kevin, cause you met him in like the yeah. deep, deep, dark part of your addiction. So right? Kevin and I have the ultimate love story. I don't know what I would do without my husband. I absolutely yeah. adore him. So when I was in rehab, when I was three days clean, I was smoking a cigarette outside and my everything started like tingling, mm. like from my head down to my legs and my face fell and I started walking to the nurse and I couldn't continue the walk to the nurse's office. And I just lost all movement in the left side of my body and mm. I was terrified And somebody else that was there, you know, got the nurse or whatever. And they sent me in an ambulance to the hospital. And I had a TIA, which is a mini stroke. And there was a nurse that was working in the hospital. I don't know her name. I don't remember anything about her. Just that she was a black woman. And she was super nice. And Mm -hmm. she stayed next to my bed. And she prayed on rosaries Hmm. jubilee rosaries they were called Mm -hmm. and the next day everything and now i wasn't raised under any religion so this was like a foreign thing for me and the next day um everything had come back my face had come back my mom flew in from florida and was there the next day very briefly like i just saw her for a little bit and then Mm -hmm. they sent me back to rehab okay So I get back to the rehab and now the nurse left those rosaries. I never saw her again, but she left the rosaries next to my bed Hmm. and I still have them in a box on my shelf. I went back to the rehab and now I'm just like happy to be alive, you know, (laughs) at 22 years old, you know, whatever. I wanted to be in rehab. I wanted desperately to be there. I just waited for some, I was waiting for somebody to pay attention to Mm -hmm. notice Mm -hmm. I I was so skinny it was unbelievable like zeros fell off of me it was unbelievable Mm -hmm. and like that's something that is a topic that's completely off for discussion like when it comes to certain people in my family is like Mm -hmm. weight and stuff like Mm -hmm. that like that's not up for discussion fair anyway trigger for you yeah very much so Mm -hmm. and so I, I come back and Everyone, you know, had been praying for me when I was in the hospital. And I walk up to this guy sitting at the table. I hadn't seen him. And, hey, I'm Jamie. What's your name? Kevin. (laughs) In his deep voice, not wanting to, you know, talk. Huh? I can't understand what you're saying. (laughs) Kevin. (laughs) Dude, I, I can't. You're like marbles. 
be Kevin. <laughs> he screams at me. I'm like, you don't have to yell. <laughs> All right, I got it. Kevin, nice to meet you. And he goes to pick up his his fruit punch. And he this was in shakes. rehab or this was at this the hospital? This was in rehab. Okay, this Kevin was in, was in rehab. rehab too. Okay. Yes. He had come in the time I was gone. Okay. And he goes to pick up his juice. And yes, this is not, you know, no one would suggest dating somebody in rehab, but whatever. We didn't I mean, in this rehab. is a true story. Let's hear <laughs> yes, it. Yes, this is a true story. Yeah. So he goes to pick up his juice and he has the shakes mm. so bad that it's spilling all over Assuming the table. Assuming his, his problem was alcohol. alcohol. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, this guy's fucked up. You know, I just stroked mm-hmm. out. Who am I to judge, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and he loved me from hello he followed me around he had now i was i had no i had a boyfriend who was a fireman who was awful who was so much older than me and whatever mm-hmm. and that was more of like a daddy issue relationship yeah. and kevin was just my friend like we were in a group together we knew the absolute worst about each other mm-hmm. that you could possibly know sitting in group therapy yeah. in rehab. Yeah. And I got out before him because I was there sooner. And when he he would say that when I walked in, like, oh, this is the girl we've been praying for all this time. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he was my friend when we got out. He brought me things that mattered like I had to find a job I I didn't have anything my mom was like Mm -hmm. I sold the house you have a month before the new people move in to find somewhere to live she moved to Florida she was gone um to find somewhere to live Mm -hmm. and (laughs) I I was a disaster this is the hardest time of my entire life was getting through that and then my boyfriend at the time the fireman person had cheated on me and the girl showed up at my door. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> yeah. So then I was devastated, you know, mm-hmm. cause I was devastated over every relationship that ended mm-hmm. cause I loved you. Attachment you. Issues. The, the, mm-hmm. the more you were not interested, the more I loved you. you know, yeah. Yeah. And Kevin would show up with a coffee pot because mm-hmm. I didn't have a coffee pot. He would get me pizza delivered to my apartment and I couldn't afford to go and buy a pizza, you know, mm-hmm. like things that mattered. And he, he lived in the Bronx him. and yes, he lived in the Bronx and I lived on Long Island and the best gift ever was an easy pass because <laughs> I couldn't afford the tolls mm-hmm. <laughs> and I would sit in traffic forever to get there. So the easy pass was the greatest gift ever. Yeah. And we were friends for like a year. And I made a pass at him first and he rejected me. And I was mm. like, oh my gosh, you're gay. Like I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> no. He was probably trying to follow the rules. You're not no, supposed to date someone like, you meet in rehab. He told me, I, I don't think it was a full year. I feel like a year is when we became a couple. So maybe okay. like six months or something. He thought um, you should more time. He said, I have loved you since day one and you're not ready for this and you will destroy me. And Mm -hmm. I want this to be for real. And we can't be for real until you're ready for this. And then our first kiss was at the Jersey Shore. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) Random one night. And that rosary from the nurse Mm -hmm. I wore as my something old on our wedding day. Oh, that's and really beautiful. Like Kevin, you know, my I would park like how I was saying I didn't know how to go uptown, downtown. I got my sister's hand me down car and I would park in Jackson Heights and Queens at the train. And I didn't know what I was doing. I was a disaster. Mm-hmm. I was always mm-hmm. late, you know, hours late. So I would just park wherever it didn't matter what the sign said. Clearly they were just for show yeah. <laughs> until I got home, you know, late at night. Cause now I'd go from work in an office to a restaurant doing coat check. So I'm getting home at like midnight and it was right after nine 11. So the cops mm. were all in the subways with like the big, huge guns and yeah. whatever, which actually made me feel like really safe. Yeah. And my car would be towed and 
what? Like, clearly it was stolen. Like, yeah. <laughs> it couldn't have been towed. And I called Kev, and he was at a Ranger game with his brother. And I'm like, my car is gone. And I'm a disaster. And he left the Ranger game to come mm. and and help me. You know, I had reached out to my mom, and she's like, oh, I don't know what to tell you. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> and he called around and found my car. And it was, you know, $10 at the time was 100 yeah. So a few hundred to get my car was a million, no, you know, like, the car, I yeah. Not, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 I did not have it. Mm. And he helped me with those things. He didn't help me with like frivolous things. He helped yeah. me with things that were really important. Oh, that helped you get uh, on your feet and get, have you be in a position where you could continue to work on yourself and stay clean. One fr- and and now he's also working on his beginning of sobriety yeah. as well, you know. Yeah. So one frivolous story. <laughs> this is a drug story. The boyfriend had bought me a digital camera right at the end of my partying days, and I sold it for drugs. Mm-hmm. And you know, he, he didn't. Know I sold it for drugs. That was my last night out. I'll never forget that night. And I told he was coming over. And it was for my birthday. And he bought me a printer for the camera. Mm, camera's <laughs> I <don't>, gone. <laughs> I don't have the camera. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it's all right, you can sell the printer in a What few days. am I supposed to do? <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Yeah. Like, how do I? And he went out and bought me the camera. So I didn't have to tell him Aww. that I had sold it. <laughs> yeah. So that's the kind of guy Kevin is. And yeah. our to watch our daughters grow Mm. up in a household of parents that just love each other so much yeah and who are sober like there's not you know has been like living in a social experiment Mm. uh my teenage daughters you know we're supposed to not like them at this point or whatever i adore my kids yeah so much and they have so much respect for our life Mm. And they can I ask you a question just yeah. out of my own curiosities? How yes. have you guys shared your stories with the kids? Because honestly, am... we haven't like majorly crossed into that yet. We don't not share it, but we haven't fully gone there. And I'm wondering at what age and how you went about always, that. always. from day one. Yes, I have lived. And sorry, mom, if you hear this, but I grew up in a house of lies. You know, different times, right? Just yeah. whatever, different times. That's true. Things, yeah. The things that you don't realize were ever going to come to fruition in society have, you know, mm-hmm. become possible mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. So no judgment on it. But, you know, I would n- never wanted to do that to my kids. Mm-hmm. They, I never wanted to have to go back onto something that I had told them and mm-hmm it's a different story. Like the reality mm-hmm. is a different story. And it's, I started telling them about that, like that we don't drink alcohol right mm-hmm. away. And mm-hmm. then honestly, the reality of it, like how we met each other and everything. Yeah. I want to say Nat was maybe like 10 mm. <laughs> young. Yeah. They were, yeah. I, it's, I'm proud of it. It's mm-hmm. not like when people will comment on like social, like, you should be so proud. Yeah, totally proud. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 100% great. My favorite story of all time is Kevin and I. I, I never saw uh, my addiction as being this awful yeah. person. Like, yeah. I just... I guess I I, I, I'm again being mindful of digital print thinking about where I want to go. I'm just going to share it. Whatever. I mean, my kids are still young, seven and 11, and we definitely have never lied about anything. They know that there's stuff there, but Ryan has said, I'm just not ready to share it. I'll share when you get older, but Ryan has also been to prison. And so there's been like things that have come up where it's been like, oh, bad guys go to jail or like there's only bad guys in prison. Like, we have a hard time navigating that because it's like, well, no, this guy right here has actually had that story, but he's trying and we've had these conversations. I hope he doesn't mind me sharing this. We've had these conversations of like, do we save that for the age that they start? Okay. So, well, okay. So yes, with that, (laughs) it was much easier to address alcohol with them. Like as far as 
drugs. Yeah. I mean, my sister-in-law died of an overdose a few years ago. Mm -hmm. And so we had, I I don't remember how old they were, but I Mm want to say, and Natalie is 16 now. So I want to say she was at least 11 or 12. Mm -hmm. Like it just came. It just, when it felt right. Mm-hmm. It happened. I think you know? we've had a few of those moments where we're like, we could go there right now, should we? And that's when Ryan would say, give me a little bit. Like, so they know that there's a story there. They do know that. So I think that Ryan still has some shame in that. And that's why mm-hmm. he's not ready for that. I don't mm-hmm. have. Okay. So on another topic of this mm-hmm. and secrets and all of that stuff, you know, I was raised thinking my stepfather was my father. Yeah, let's get into that story because we are like 30 minutes in. And let me just say this real quick. So you guys are all probably listening. I'm hoping you're like, you know, oh my God, I could listen to Jamie talk for days because that's how I feel. But I'm not even kidding you guys. We haven't even gotten to like the part of the story that I'm like, your life is a literal movie. What is going on? So bed of lies. (laughs) Look how the world has evolved and what what has yeah that's a huge tell that part story. okay yeah yeah so when I was I want to say I was like ten I don't remember exactly how old I was but I think I was like ten years old although my stepfather seems to remember me younger mm. because we were just talking about it recently mm-hmm. I asked my older sister mm-hmm. how come there's no pictures of dad in my baby book mm. and. She responded with, he's not your real dad. <laughs> Simple as that. Oh, going back, I, I I don't remember things that were said, but I, I noticed this just throughout like the course of things. I remember how I felt mm. with moments. And I remember feeling that doesn't mean you're not going to like be my dad anymore, right? Mm-hmm. Like I loved my dad. I was a daddy's girl. I did everything I loved my dad I had no interest in him not being my father I was never someone who was like oh you're not my real dad anyway Mm -hmm. and I had a very hard time with some clients or you know friends or whatever that are in this kind of situation with their kids Mm -hmm. and it not being um you know lying to their kids about who their parents are. Mm. (laughs) I think kids are so much more able to take something at face value and process Mm. it. And it, it's not attached to all this negative stuff that adults Mm -hmm. attach it to. They Mm. see it black and white. Mm. They don't have a history. They don't have all those stories, all that shame. Wow. That's a really good point. They don't have hangups that Mm. are making it skewed. Mm. Right. (laughs) So the longer you wait, the more skewed the story becomes, mm. right? And now you're a liar. Mm-hmm. Now you've told all these stories. Mm. I mean, there were like fake things written in my baby book. <laughs> anyway, mm. I, I love my dad. That, so when I found that out, it was, oh, but it was never, oh, like you're, you know, screw you or anything like that. No, if anything was almost like, oh gosh, you're not leaving me, are you? Yes, yeah, so yeah. 100%, 100%. Mm. And then- things happened in our family and I did lose him mm-hmm. he made some really not nice choices we've worked through that so I'm not going to throw him under the bus but mm-hmm. it was horrendous he never like did anything to me like for sure every family like has that. their deep deep stuff yeah but just uh, you know abandonment and mm-hmm. he is my younger sister's dad so he would still come to get my sister, you know, I, I went from having a huge family, tons of cousins and aunts and uncles and whatever, to nobody to mm-hmm. just my mom. And my older sister joined the military and was gone. And my younger sister lived with her dad a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And that was like it like Christmas was that was done. <laughs> and like all those things, you know, so fast forward, <laughs> to he comes to visit me my stepfather in mm-hmm. rehab with his dad his dad was a really good man he's since passed away but my grandfather and sat him down and said I know you are here because of my son 
he had nothing to say. My stepfather had nothing to say, but my grandfather dragged him along through that. Yeah. And we have really, really had it out. And I have, I have held that fucking guy accountable for everything. And that's why we're good. Mm-hmm. that's why we're good if I didn't if I let things just like go I would have so much resentment and I don't because I literally hold them accountable for everything yeah so anyway so fast forward here takes another turn mm-hmm. and I have a client who is into genealogy and you know I'm telling her my mom moved to America from Australia when she was pregnant with me eight months pregnant with me my dad and my mom were not a relationship, you know, I mean, if for anyone out there that wants to have any ounce of judgment, you are so full of shit and Fuck just off. lucky you didn't get pregnant. Yeah. Go away. And yeah. If you did, you probably would have made the opposite choice. Cause I mm-hmm. can't say I would have made the same decision my mom made, which was yeah. incredibly brave to keep a daughter on her own. Yeah. So just had to put that disclaimer out. Fair. So my mom moves to America pregnant with me. My grandparents were here for something, but she was from Australia. And so I have a client, I, you know, I would daydream about who my dad was, but it was so like far gone. And mm-hmm. Australia is like the other, you know, literally the other, another yeah. planet, especially yeah. back then, you know? Yeah. And, and would you client, ask your mom questions and she genuinely had no idea who it was or do you think I, she kind of knew or... Yeah. I would, I don't want to get too much into my mom, but I would ask her questions and she didn't have anything to tell me. Okay. (laughs) You took matters into your own hands, which we have the ability to do now. And yeah. And and if somebody didn't ask me about it or tell me about like the DNA, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if I would have done it, you know? Mm. It was still new then, so I can't say, you know. So I probably would have actually, but who am I kidding? Eventually. But it's not like it had (laughs) been on your mind for a long time and you were waiting and you just never even thought about it. I I thought about it the most after I had my kids. Okay. After I had Natalie, my older one, it really came to the surface with me and I I wanted to know. That's Yeah, you want to know family medical history. You want to know where... I love this baby so much. Like, where did I come from? What is a piece yeah. of her? I totally understand that. And, and that that brought up the anger with me then too mm-hmm. for the first time, you know? Yeah. Before I I took this on, this was very much my mom's story, mm-hmm. you know? And I just kind of went with it and respected her in that regard and then took ownership of this myself. So I do my DNA and it sits on a website. And for anyone out there doing DNA, you can do it. So say you do it on Ancestry. You can save the data that you get on Ancestry and you can upload that onto all the other sites. Mm. So you don't have to do a DNA test per site. Sometimes I don't think people realize that. I didn't know that. So I saved it and I went in and, oh, my client recommended my mom do it also. So Mm. when I get, a response, I know if it's maternal or paternal. Mm. So she does it. And I save her data as soon as I get it, like scared she's going to change her mind and be like, forget it. Mm. So sorry, mom, I stole your data. <laughs> and I put, thanks I for put your DNA. <laughs> a few sites and I get a hit like a few years into somebody related to my dad like cousin wise or whatever super nice guy we have no idea though I don't know who my cousins have slept with and who would they super possibly yeah yeah so I was happy and content if he was the only person that I was that cousin in Australia nice uh no okay so my dad hold on that's gonna jump ahead so okay one day I'm sitting on the couch in April. I don't remember the year now because 2020, everything just turned into yeah, one year. It was definitely past 20 because it was right like coming up to the retreat. I want to say it was 2022. 2020, 2022. Yes. Because okay. it'll be two years this April. Yeah. yeah. God, what a short time, right? So yeah. I we're watching TV and it goes to commercial and Kevin gets up to go to the bathroom and for whatever reason, no idea why I don't have any notification or anything. 
I open up my heritage, which is one of the better apps for overseas ancestry things for overseas, by the way. Okay. So I open it up and there's a match on there. And this is right after soul tribe retreat. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I think like a few weeks, mm-hmm. very short. After. You just did some like deep personal growth, deep, deep. deep. I met Kristen who mm-hmm. plays a huge part in this story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Deep. And I made such connections that I so needed, yeah. which I've been terrible at maintaining. I realized just how much of an introvert I am. Uh, yeah, but I, yeah, I need to get out of that. I needed desperately at that time. It's just all aligned. So I open it up and I have a match on there. And it says that this person is either my uncle or my brother. And based off of his age, clearly he is my uncle. Mm-hmm. So I send him a message. Um, Hi, you're probably super surprised to see this. Um, Your brother doesn't know that I exist. So this isn't something that is a secret that he is kept or anything like that. You know, my mom moved to America when she was eight months pregnant with me. They met at a place called the Village Green in Melbourne. That's where they used or Melbourne, if you're Australian, that's where Mm -hmm. they hung out. If I'm going to cause any problems in a family, in a marriage, um, I'm not interested in doing that. I I don't want to break up like somebody's family. So please let me know if that is the case, because I do not want to pursue this if it is. Yeah. That was a big one for me. You know, I I didn't know. And, you know, whatever. So (laughs) I, the girls in soul tribe go down this black hole and literally have my entire family line <laughs> all the Courtney detectives Brown got to work my whole family line figured out by like the end of the day <laughs> yeah, that's so funny and you know it was definitely weird with my mom she fair was not prepared for this to become a thing yeah you know and this is where i go back with your husband where It's because there's a shame there, Mm. you know, and I see it as, oh, my God, you made like a choice to have a a child like on your own. Like, that's the bravest thing ever. Yeah. I'm not judging you. Like, yeah, Mm -hmm. like what? And whoever is, who cares? You know, but she took it to that place, you know, and we had to really work through that. Yeah. So. April. I don't remember the dates. I'm going to try to pretend I do, but I don't. Mm -hmm. I do this energy work with Kristen Mm -hmm. sitting outside of going in for a biopsy on my boob or to get it back, to get Mm -hmm. the results back. Mm -hmm. And that was the only time like we could do it. And so I do this call with her and I needed to let go of this anger and stuff with my mom. Like I didn't want to be in that space and Mm -hmm. I just needed it to go away yeah and so we worked through it and Kristen took this picture of these crazy like sun rays and Mm -hmm. stuff going on and I go home after this appointment and Kevin and I are watching tv and I'm laying on the floor and now I have the notification set on this app right (laughs) and I get a message hi Jamie my name is Joseph McClelland I live in Australia. So my dad was one and basically I'm your biological father. Yeah. Based on what my my brother has shared with me. Yeah. My dad moved to Australia from Scotland when he was 18. He's the only one that lives in Australia. Mm. So there's four brothers and that's how they knew it was him because he's the only one that lives there. And he spent some time at that place you mentioned. Still lives in the same neighborhood. Wow. (laughs) Like he showed me the village green when I went there. Where you were conceived. It's still like, I I think they at least went to an apartment. (laughs) The place is still there. Like wild. Meanwhile, I've been like all over the place, you know, and he still lives in the same place. Wow. And oh my God, my whole body started tingling. I'm like, Oh my God. Oh my God. And I get, and I just keep repeating. Oh my God. I can't. And Kevin's like, 
what <laughs> and yeah I he's like who did someone die what's going him. on yeah like it was on fire I was like mm. I got a letter from my dad and he's what and I just start crying oh. and my daughters come out and this is where I'm so grateful I've always been honest with them they know the depth of it because yeah. it's not like oh by the way remember uh-huh. grandpa whatever mm-hmm. no they've known yeah. and they got to come along this whole journey with me for real you know like so we talked the first time was may 21st mm-hmm. um we emailed back and forth a little bit and the first time we talked on the phone was may 21st and we got along i'm gonna cry like he was my dad like yeah. he we talked the first night and then he called in the morning so that was like late at night for them because they're literally upside down time wise and I'm leaving for work and he's calling and I'm like oh my god he's calling me again (laughs) I'm gonna talk twice and he's like I just wanted to hear your voice again and he he was so excited and I was I I didn't know what I was saying. I honestly never got beyond like wondering what my dad looked like yeah and if he was a hands-on person because that's the kind of person that I am. And that was it. Like I never thought about what his personality would be like, or, you know, if he had kids, like none yeah. of that. And he has um, a daughter and a son. So I have a brother and a biological sister mm-hmm. um, over there. And his wife and daughter had a very hard time with this whatever and he had pulled back a little bit from me mm-hmm. and when he called finally I think it was like just a week but honestly it felt like forever this was so much stuff yeah so much and life Lisa, like you were there through that. like there were times mm-hmm. where I called like just hysterical like I didn't mm-hmm. know what to do with some yeah. of this And the best thing that I did do was I never put that on my dad. Mm. Like I would have with a boyfriend, you Mm -hmm. know, as a teenager and in my twenties or whatever, I would have suffocated them. Mm -hmm. And I was so aware to not do that with him and give Mm -hmm. him his time and his space. But man, I was a wreck to myself, you know, and I turned to my friends and my husband and I didn't have my mom to turn to. And I didn't have my sisters, like, because no one could really understand what this meant for me, you know, and they still don't, you know. Yeah. And he called and I knew that this was the only opportunity. I wasn't going to miss this opportunity to tell him my dad's story. And I kind of feel like I can't tell all of this without telling a little bit of my dad's story. But Mm -hmm something had happened in my family when I was young and I, I want to just step in when you're referring to your dad this is your step technically father. stepdad just so that yes. people listening aren't getting confused technically stepdad that raised you yes to yes. you was your dad yeah yes so when I was young something had happened in my family and I didn't tell anybody and then something worse happened in my family and I carried a lot of guilt over that we can leave it and, then, and then and then a few years later, something happened with another person. And I told because I didn't want anything to happen again and carry that guilt. Yeah. And he, my stepfather chose the person over me mm-hmm. and married his sister. Mm-hmm. And they are still married to this day. And I don't care about that being out there. Okay. I think you're being and, big. Yeah. Yeah. And I told my dad this story, my biological real dad, Joe mm-hmm. McClelland, and he cried. And after that, you know, I said to him, I go, I can handle anything that you say to me. If you decide you don't want to do this anymore, this is too much, you know, thanks, no thanks, please just don't ghost me. 
I, I do so I have such issues with being yeah. posted you're like I've done so much work on myself to repair these wounds please don't yeah please them. please mm-hmm. don't and he never pulled back from me again mm-hmm. and he had such a hard time that he couldn't be there for me when I was little yeah. and just our relationship just went to a different level, you know, where some people would be like, oh, you told him that? Yeah, I told him that. That What do you <laughs> I'm going to wait a, my whole life for this. integral no... part of who you are. Yeah. Absolutely. And I I have just so much pride in, in the things that I did, which I don't, I don't know if I realized then, like Mm -hmm. standing up for myself and being like, no, this happened. Like I could have just easily said, okay, no, it didn't. And got my, my stepfather and the whole family back, but it did. And I wasn't taking that back. And he, him and I just grew Mm -hmm. and we had so many similarities. We were the same person, honestly, Mm -hmm. Our, our blunt honesty with also trying not to be hurtful and being aware if we are hurtful and apologizing and whatever, like just, he was my, my spiritual twin and Mm -hmm. he had cancer, prostate cancer right before COVID at the same time, my older sister had cancer that when Jamie meets her biological dad in Australia, he already knew at that time that he was battling cancer. Yes. So how far, how long did he wait to share that with you? He told me that from the beginning, so that he had prostate cancer. And then in September, basically he had surgery and they didn't remove it all. There was like Mm -hmm. a piece still there or whatever. Mm -hmm. So that September, I wish I knew the years better. 2022, we said. Yeah, 2022 was when you found him. So it would have been that September. Yeah. Yeah, 2022. He told me that it had spread to his bones. Mm. And with that, I decided I was going. I had already booked a trip for me, Kevin, and the girls Mm -hmm. to go in February. Yeah. And I decided I was going. That was it. I'll never forget it when he told me. I got off the phone and I sat on the floor of my suite and just cried. Like, I don't remember the last time I cried so hard. And I didn't ask if I could come. (laughs) I just booked it and he was away with his family. I reached out to my brother, wanted to make sure there was nothing going on at that certain, you know, that week or whatever that he knew of. And he said, no. And I booked the trip and he got back from vacation and I asked him, are you free October 27th for lunch? Cause I'll be in the neighborhood. (laughs) And he got, he was so excited (sighs) And he was so excited this whole time, you know, and was up against a wife and a daughter who were livid over this. I can't help but empathize with that, too, because, you know, he loves them. But I think he was really good at compartmentalizing. These are two incredibly important things to me. And if you guys have feelings about it, I understand and I love you through it. But like, this is this is what's happening yeah and and knowing his health like it Mm -hmm. it just there wasn't time to waste I I think I've just have been around such awful men (laughs) that I couldn't imagine taking such a good one for granted like what a luxury to be able to take that for granted Mm -hmm. like clearly you have no idea what it's like to not have that yeah sorry fair and so I I reached out to you know I would talk to my brother and I'm like so when I get there like you know I'll I'll get an uber to the hotel or whatever and he's like Jamie hold on do you think dad's not gonna pick you up at the airport like he Mm -hmm. would ride a bike to pick you up at the airport Mm -hmm. like there's no way you're not getting picked up and he had somebody record it the video is him. really amazing. And that, like, honestly, having that, and that was a stranger because he went yeah. to the airport by himself. himself. And every time we would show up for the day, we would have on the same 
color family shirt. <laughs> like we ordered the same things to eat. He got me, he brought me a little stuffed koala bear because he would have given that to me as a little girl. Hmm. That's what he met me with at the airport. And it was just magical. It was the most amazing week of my entire life. Hmm. And it was so hard to come home from there and but I was ready for like my support system back you know it was exhausting too like the timing of you know literally being upside down and whatever it was the greatest week of my life and then we went again in February and all of us and he got to meet his granddaughters and Kevin who he I think Kevin was one of his biggest saving graces in this knowing that I have, you know, he's an older guy. So sorry if anyone's going to think that this is, you know, an old school way of thinking. No, I'm sure. Judge. Go ahead. But I had somebody taking care of my heart, like yeah. that loves me. And we all need that. It Kevin gave him peace, mm. you know, like he knew I was all right. Yeah. And he, he just loved Kevin. He called him mate all the time. I don't think he ever even called him Kevin anymore. Because <laughs> Kev would only go if he called him mate. And <laughs> we went and had an amazing time. And then he got really sick. Yeah. And he passed away. Yeah. On January 8th. And... <clears throat> Which we're recording this January 30th. So like when she said, and like, like he, yeah, like that, he just, just as fast away. as that story came in and just as fast as out. the amount of life that you've lived. Yeah. And there's a part of me that feels like I'm supposed to be in a ball in the corner. Yeah. And I feel a little weird that I don't feel like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to put this in briefly, but right in September, September 27th, my two and a half year old niece died unexpectedly. Yeah. And a loss like that just brings so much perspective. Yeah. And I could get so stuck in, you know, just having him for such a short time and whatever. Yeah. But I truly believe that I only had him. I also only believed I would ever find him if he was a good man. Yeah. I never like went crazy searching because I believe the universe would give him to me if he was a good man. I didn't yeah. deserve another heartbreak in that department. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that definitely could have never expected how overly, good of a man though. Yeah, no, no, no. not, There's not no at way. all. And I forgot what I was just going to say. So when having him for such a short time, mm-hmm. it got to stay perfect. Mm. Because humans eventually tarnish yeah. everything yeah. that's given to them or take it for granted yeah. or, you know, you go somewhere that's, I remember when I first moved upstate in New York and it was so beautiful here and yeah. now I don't even see it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And eventually I would have maybe taken it for granted and yeah. it got to stay perfect and mm-hmm. the strain of his wife and and daughter to be honest mm-hmm. really weighed heavy on me because mm-hmm. I've already gone through that mm-hmm. and I don't make anyone like me like mm-hmm. I will not chase a relationship yeah. at all and I don't know how long I could have carried that too you know mm-hmm. and or him Yeah. And I think it would have gotten harder in time knowing that I have a dad and all this stuff. And or had you have found him so much in like, had you have found him so much earlier? Like, what would that have turned? I wouldn't I wouldn't have been prepared. So Mm -hmm. my my stepfather and I the timing of everything, honestly, my stepfather and I had it out that November before COVID. Had it out. Like I said everything I ever needed to say. And we made peace. Mm -hmm. If I found my dad, Joe, my bio dad, before 
my stepfather and I made that peace, I would have put that baggage of that relationship onto my dad. And he did not deserve that. I Mm. wasn't ready to have my dad yet. Mm. And maybe he was, you know, there's a part of me that has always wondered, I know why I got him. Why did he get me? Mm. What did he need? You know, and I know from my brother that what my brother got from me is a much more open relationship with his dad, you know, with our dad, like, because I'm just raw. So my dad had no, like, (laughs) I would say, I love you every time we got off the phone and he would say it. Mm -hmm. And then I learned later, like, that wasn't a thing. That's not what they did in their family, you know? And I brought out a different part of him because I, Mm. I made him. I just, mm-hmm. it was what it was, you know? Mm-hmm. And well, and it's interesting. You didn't know him from this young age where you were trained not to behave that way. So like you became your own person with your own experiences. You've done all yeah. your own work. And by the time you met him, you were, I mean, there's no embarrassment. There's no shame. There's no, no. nothing. It's just, I'm Jamie, the healed version that, you know, it, has, has it, done it the work. Such a, a learning lesson. And I think this is the biggest thing for me of, how going back to when I was eight years old, I didn't make a decision that I was happy with. Like I didn't tell anyone when something had happened. Right. And at eight years old, I learned from that. Yeah. And at 12 years old, I made a different decision. I made the right one. And all of these choices from if I never got into drugs, I never would have met Kevin. So yeah. I don't give a shit about having been a drug addict. That was that was the best thing that ever happened to me because that makes you when you truly get sober, not just dry, but sober, mm-hmm. you have to dig so deep within yourself to get to why you got there to begin with. It has putting down the substance is the easy part. Mm-hmm. Working through all the things that got you there is the hard part. Yeah. And I didn't need to make amends to people and everything. That was kind of the harder thing is mm-hmm. it was the stuff done to me. It wasn't mm-hmm. the stuff I had done to anybody, you know, mm-hmm. I wasn't like robbing old ladies and mm-hmm. doing all that, you know, it was stuff that was done to me. And then you can't make somebody apologize to you. Yeah. So you have to find peace with, but you can't things. hold them accountable, which I think you is can what hold you them learned. accountable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I did mm-hmm. brutally held him accountable. Yeah. And because of that, we are in such a good space. Like he was one of the first calls after my dad died, Yeah, you know? Mm. And, and he's like, life gets hard when you get older. And I was like, really, dude, life has always been hard. And I said that fair. holding you accountable. Totally fair. <laughs> Don't even make a little comment like that. I will not keep a response. No, in. Yeah. no, no. Yeah. I will not let little things like that go because mm. if I do, then I have resentments towards mm-hmm. him. Like oh, that's the powerful, dumbest Jamie. things. Yeah. have to be held the people that didn't reach out when my dad died that should have mm. held them accountable mm-hmm. haven't heard from you you didn't reach out to my kids not cool mm. <laughs> this is their grandfather they went mm. around the world and met him like yeah, this was a, a real lot. thing yeah it's been it happened quickly but if we took the time to catch up you'd hear the story yeah and realizing when i found my dad like what I was showing up with Mm -hmm. I am like all of my work was now being put to judgment Mm. and I could not have been prouder with the life I got to show up with and that was all a series of tiny little choices throughout the whole imagine like I didn't just stumble into this situation it was very intentional was very intentional Mm -hmm. and with that I was able to get through these hard things and not take it on because Mm -hmm. I'm a catch my family's a catch Mm -hmm. hell yeah they are my kids the biggest catch Mm -hmm. and if you don't appreciate that or respect that I'm good sorry for you yeah yeah like if my dad was any kind of way I wouldn't have gotten on a plane by myself and when I knew that was right yeah and I knew it was right to not go to his funeral Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Because I, I needed to be around love. I think and... you've handled it. I mean, in the most beautiful, thoughtful, but true to you, not like just the totally most beautiful, true to me. proper way. Mm-hmm. Uh, always true to me. And I don't know if I, that was not always an intentional um, decision, you know, it just yeah. was. Yeah. And now at 44, 22 years of sobriety, it's very, the numbers thing is very weird and all yeah, of Yeah, it is very weird. For the next big thing, you know, the passing of my dad to happen right at 22 years of sobriety. And it's like, now I get to go on to the next half of life. I have zero baggage of like childhood traumas. And that is such a bizarre light. It makes you wonder what the next 22 years have in store because we've done so much work. Like what could it possibly even be? Yeah. I don't even know how to make a vision board right now because there's always been a a want and like, Mm. I've never been so content in my entire life that ever see office. Lisa, have you seen office space yet? I've told Mm -hmm. you so many times you got to watch this movie Uh where he's just like, all right, you know, I I, I don't want to do whatever. And like, that's kind of how I don't know what to do next. Wow. It's weird. I like to sleep in on my day off now. I'm not getting up at 4 a.m. I'm good. <laughs> you needed the miracle morning during that period I, of time. That completely changed my life. What was this quote I just shared? Autumn from Soul Tribe put it on her story and I put it on mine, but it's very relevant to what we're saying right now. So I'm going to pull it up right this second. I just shared it. It was, I read a quote that said, the universe will never give you peace in something you were never meant to settle in. And that makes so much sense. And so n- you had those periods of time where you felt so not at peace, so uncomfortable. So, and it manifested and showed itself in different ways. Yes. But you've done the work that now you can settle into the peace because it's right where you're supposed to be. It's, it's wild. Like before my dad's stuff, it was building the salon. Like there was always like something, you know, and there is no chase right now. Mm -hmm. And I am just, letting myself be in peace and some time yeah now I I need to turn into friendships and putting attention Mm -hmm. into those things and stuff that's definitely a hard thing for me you know moving so much as a teenager I establish those no no I was very isolated Mm -hmm. like I was always the new kid outside and and I kind of put myself there now yeah and I hate that you know Mm. But I also don't do anything about it. So it's kind of, I don't know. (laughs) We're going to just remember that. It's also very fair to, like we said, this timeline is really kind of wild. And I'm grateful, obviously, that you wanted to share. It was like Jamie was thinking about her end of year or whatever. And she was like, I'd like to come on the podcast. But we've said so many things maybe a book will exist one day. She does not have it in her to like try. She's kind of gone that route, talk to editors. It's just so much work. And I, correct me if I'm wrong, is this the first time you've like start to finish other than just like a lot conversations individually with people told this story? Yes. Like so I'm very proud of you for yes. that because it's a lot. And I can't even imagine how it's going to feel for you to listen back to it. But I know all of this has obviously happened for a reason. And I have no idea what that's going to look like or what that's going to turn into but I'm I I feel that too I feel that too and I don't know what the reason is but there's something for this like and it's not your job to force it or figure it out no it'll every everything has always just kind of come like or you follow the little breadcrumbs, like your client talking about the genealogy or, you know, yeah. like a breadcrumb will present itself. But Well, one actually has. What's that? Which was interesting. A woman that I worked with in Pravana, she lives up in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. And she sent me a message recently and said, I'm having somebody come into my salon. She owns suites up there. And she's an energy like stylist kind mm-hmm. of thing. I'm not even sure what that entails. Yeah. She goes, but all I could think of when I was thinking of doing this is you. Mm. And I feel like you're supposed to be doing this. When I set up the date, let me know if you're interested. 
and you could come and take the the thing in her i love that so maybe we'll have uh, you back once we know what that entails uh, yeah i don't even know you know and definitely i feel like i come from a little bit of a different space when it comes to some of this energy stuff yeah or like coaching stuff more of like a a raw (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you just don't want the bluff you don't want the bullshit no, I don't I don't yeah. I just can't <laughs> you've done the healing but you've also had your time wasted by a lot of therapists and a lot of like yeah. it's hard to find yeah. that it's hard to do the work but find the right path without all the junk oh, all in. the junk yeah yeah it is I the junk never helped the tough mm-hmm. love helped you know, mm-hmm. as much as like my mom moving and whatever, I can curse that all day. But that that made me who I am. I had yeah. to figure that shit out, you know, mm-hmm. and people are very pampered nowadays with mm-hmm. having to figure things out. And mm-hmm. we don't you know, like sometimes to feel uncomfortable. You just have, no. And being uncomfortable is my favorite place to be. Mm-hmm. And now now being comfortable you're like what am weird. i doing here I don't know what yeah to do with this mm. i'm so used to being uncomfortable i'm mm-hmm. so used to having digging in deep to myself is my comfort zone mm-hmm. and now there's like it's done like oh we should journal i don't have anything to write down yeah i, yeah, I processed all this <laughs> shit yeah yeah i don't know it's it's good and you know no, i'm other shoe will drop eventually just mm-hmm. because it does and I want to stay in this right now while I can yeah, before this is the moment we're in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm really grateful for you coming on and sharing. I think we did go a little over an hour and that's totally fine. I'll figure Thanks that for out having with me, Lisa. editing. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we covered that so perfectly and so beautifully. And I don't know if you want to have a podcast one day. I feel like I could listen to you talk for weeks like you have so many stories there were so many times I wanted to interrupt and be like tell me that and that day just that day you know like I want to hear it all but obviously we don't have time for this so maybe we'll have you back on again one day but I'm just appreciating like I said in the beginning this wasn't a business thing this wasn't a here's the perfectly packaged packaged lesson and all of that I mean obviously we heard a lot of it but this is just like your truth and it's really cool and I feel honored to be able to give you a spot to just share thank you so much for giving me a spot to do this I think I could only have done this with you so I really appreciate that thank you friend love you love you thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of stylus soul tribe conversations before we wrap up I've got some exciting news to share my brand new course mindset to magic is finally here this isn't just any course it's a proven roadmap for transformation combining personal development with explosive business growth Through the seven transformative pillars from embracing an abundance mindset to unlocking big magic in your life, we'll journey together towards your wildest dreams. If you've been enjoying this podcast, you are going to love this course. Click the link in the show notes and I cannot wait to welcome you into Mindset to Magic.